Welcome to the AIM Horsemanship Podcast. From science-based horse training and behaviour to just connecting and having fun with our horses in general. I'm always learning so I hope you enjoy coming along for this horsemanship journey with me. Um, just quickly before the episode starts, I just want to talk about um, an opportunity um, for free training and behaviour consultations. Um, so basically, um, I'm looking for case studies, um, so I have free behaviour consultations and training available. Um, so does your horse have any sort of behavioural problems? Um, or do you want some help with your training or anything like that? Um, my name is Anna, I'm training to become an equine behaviour consultant and under the advisement of my mentor I'm currently looking for case studies so that I can eventually become certified. Um, so under the guidance of a certified behaviour consultant I can help you solve behaviour problems in a holistic, ethical, lemur way. Lemur means loose, least intrusive, minimally aversive and describes a trainer or behaviour consultant who uses the least intrusive, minimally aversive strategy out of a set of humane and effective tactics likely to succeed in achieving a training or behaviour change objective. For taking a holistic approach, we will start by looking at the equine's life as a whole, as well as a detailed assessment of the antecedents surrounding the behaviour, the function of the behaviour and much more. Working our way down the humane hierarchy, we will then construct a behaviour modification plan using force-free and positive reinforcement training where possible. You will also receive a full explanation of behavioural science and psychology behind any training or behaviour modification strategy used as well as an assessment of its efficacy and its effectiveness. As mentioned before, I am training to become an equine behaviour consultant and I'm looking for case studies so that I can eventually become certified. However, shown in the video are some of the gosh, I can't speak. certificates and qualifications I have gained so far. Whether your equine has a behavioural problem and you would be interested in becoming a case study, or you would simply like to learn more, do some more ethical training of your horse, learn about behaviour, improve their management and enrich their life as a whole, or just improve your bond and connect more with them, please do get in touch. Looking forward to hearing from you. Um, you can either PM or DM inquiries, um, so on Instagram, which is underscore.a.i.m.underscore.horsemanship underscore, um, or Facebook Facebook, which is just aim capital aim and then horsemanship um or you can email me at mollyizzyponies at gmail.com um yeah so as i said um there's a video um that shows some of the qualifications i've got as well as um some examples of behavioral issues i can help you with and some videos showing you know the results of some force free positive reinforcement training and um, solving behavioural issues and stuff like that so if you're interested in watching that video um, it's on my Instagram, Facebook and YouTube um, so yeah feel free to go check that out and if you are interested in becoming a case study um, and getting some free behaviour consultations and training um, or even just learning more um, then do let me know Okay I've started recording <laughs> Okay, great, yay, that's one. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm sure most people like already know who you are and everything, um, but would you mind just giving like a quick overview of like who you are and what you do and everything like that? <laughs> of course, I will try and keep it short. That's okay, um, you can you can tell as much <laughs> as you want. <laughs> so my name's Kate Blackmore and I'm an equine behaviour consultant. Um, I also run well, I run a couple of businesses. So I have Equilogical, which is my own behavioural consultancy business. And I also run Equischolars, which is bringing equine behaviour to kids. 
and young adults and within the therapy world but also outside of the therapy world so it's for anyone that has kids um i also worked in an equine therapy center for 10 years got a lot of exp um, experience training their animals and that's really where equus scholars came from and and the way that i now work with horses donkeys in fact any animal is now um through the lens of behavior let's say oh that's really cool okay so um could you like go back to like the beginning of how you sort of got into animals like in general and then yeah. horses and how that sort of developed yeah, sure. So when I was young, I was horse mad. My mum was um, big into horses. We had our own horses and um, she did a lot of work. She was a BHSAI, I think. And she actually got an award from Princess Anne for the work that she has done with horses. So she was pretty good out there. Wow. And so I was brought up in quite a traditional, traditional, you know, normal way, Jim Carners, get on your pony, go all that kind of stuff, loved it. Sunk about horses, just the smell, just everything. Yes, you know, you get it. It's just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then actually I stopped riding when I was, when I left college, I guess, because I went to university. And then by that time, um, the last of my mum's horses had passed away. So oh. she moved away from, completely away from, riding and stuff as well she went in a different direction um and so I had about eight years where I didn't wasn't involved with the horse at all nothing just went off I actually worked um in Japan and France and traveled and worked corporate <laughs> like in London all the time and stuff so I went completely the other way as well and then when I was um pregnant with my son um we needed to find somewhere else to to be to to move to um and at that time as well me and um my husband split up and there was this place on a farm that we could rent and basically it had this equine charity on it so my, my son was really young but when he got like you know a couple months older i just went down there to volunteer and there was something about just going down and smelling the horses and it was because of things that were happening in my personal life it was like the horses were there for me again they turned up in my life again to support me through another really difficult time and this time though my lens was a little bit different and maybe that was because I was a bit older been away learn something I, I i don't know why but i didn't get the enjoyment that i used to from riding pretty much i used to think that i wanted to ride and then i would ride but i never had that elation after there was there was always something that kind of was like i'm not 100 percent happy yeah and i don't know why my manager at that time and it remains a really good friend of mine, and she's absolutely wonderful. Um, she did natural horsemanship. So she was kind of like a bit Pirelli-based, and so she started to teach about energy. Because really, when you're young with kids, you just learn how to get, you don't really learn how to balance properly. Or, 
I mean, you would hope you would, but at that time for me, it wasn't, we didn't talk about any of that. It's just like, you go, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you do whatever. Um, and then I found myself after, so I was lucky because, you know, I, I kind of managed to like go up. I was like in charge of the yard eventually. I got, they offered me a job and I was in charge oh. of the yard of that kind of stuff. Um, and so it worked out really well. But my manager at that time, I just, I started to get like this uh, uncomfortable feeling with what we were doing, if I'm yeah. honest. I was struggling with the fact that we had these horses and they did so much for these people, like, oh, so much, you know, that just the therapy that they can give in themselves. But... We were also keeping them in stables. They weren't really being turned out. We were having to use whips and stuff to try and get them down to the arena oh, because they gosh. had such negative associations with the arena. Yeah. So you didn't actually hit them with the whip, but you motivated them behind with a whip yeah. and stuff. It was just all this stuff just was coming up. And I was like, oh, just, you know, is there another way? Like, is there a way that I can work with horses and be happy? Yeah. And I still hadn't quite identified what, what I wasn't happy about. And then I read this book that that um, my boss gave me, and it was called How Horses Hear, See and Think, or something like that. And actually, it was a horse communication book, which when I first started reading it, I was like, mm, I, I'm very aware of anybody that says they're a horse communicator, absolutely, because... Um, it's such a dangerous thing to say because whatever that person says the horse is saying like that is taken as gold and that person may have their own stuff yeah. that they're dealing with that will come out and so you've labeled a horse and you know it's really really it, it can be so dangerous and I, I've seen it and got very angry at people that have done that in the wrong way Gosh. because they don't understand the natural behaviors of horses yeah um but anyway, so she, so she gave me this book and, and actually, do you know what? It was the, it just changed everything for me. So it wasn't about, you know, this horse going, uh, giving this life story and stuff. It was more about, there was a, you know, this horse in pain and saying, I just want to be out of pain. Oh. You know, yeah. that black and white thinking, because it's so easy for us as humans to be like, yeah, but we do this and that and that. Yeah. And actually, you know, deciding to put down a horse or not is one of the most difficult things you'll ever have to do but having that understanding from the horse's view of a horse doesn't know what death is a horse doesn't yeah. isn't expecting that it's in the moment you know and actually if a horse can't carry out its normal behaviors free of pain then it doesn't want to be here yeah like, I, I had to make it. a very hard decision a couple a couple years ago with before I got into positive reinforcement with um my first pony she had like a really bad medical issue and it was like, if we do an operation, it, first of all, it might not work. And if it does, she'll be at the vet hospital for months and months and months. And all her life should have ongoing pain and issues and be going back and forth, back and forth. And that was like, if it worked and like weighing up her welfare against the thing was one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. And in the end, the vet sort of, we had like lots of meetings of them and she had to be put to sleep, which was really sad, but um it was the same with my horse who has arthritis at the moment it's like she like there's nothing that can help her 
that's going to cure it. So there's no point yeah. taking her up to a vet hospital for her to be up there for months, living without her behavioural needs being met, in pain and stress, away from her companion, when we could, exactly. like, with uh, painkillers and herbs and all the therapy she can have at home, and just do the best we can for her, because at the end of the day, even if I can't ride her... Sorry, that was a massive tangent, but... Yeah. No, 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 it's fine, <laughs> but I completely agree with what you're saying. And also, there's that stress, uh, chronic stress element, isn't there? Yeah. So if you send your horse away to the hospital, that horse is going to experience chronic stress. It's away from its herd, it's everything it knows, you know, it, all these different smells and, you know, being kept inside that stable all the time. So you have that chronic stress, which also affects your ability to heal. It's the same for us. It's that immunosuppression, that whole we don't recover as fast. Yeah. So, and can also make things feel worse. Yeah. So... Pain can be more intense if we're stressed out. So actually, just keeping things as chilled as possible and as much as normal as possible is one of the best things you can do for them because you've got to balance that physical and that mental. We don't talk enough about mental fitness with horses. We talk yeah. about physical fitness all the time. But you've got to have the balance yeah. right to yeah. have a horse that, you know, is is an all-round happy horse let's say and yeah. it, it, it's so hard isn't it it's so hard but what I think when I um when I read this like I remember I had a little bit of breakdown actually and I remember um crying my eyes out talking to my boss saying I don't know how to carry on here oh I would, do you know sorry do you know, the yeah, no, no. do you know the documentary Path of the Horse have you ever watched it Yes. Yeah, like, obviously, I don't agree with 100% everything in it, but it really, like, before I probably switched to R+, I watched it, because that was when yeah. I, I had gone vegan, and I was, like, questioning stuff, and that was, like, I didn't, like, have a complete breakdown, but I was, like, I don't think I can, like, at least for a while, ride and tack, like, I need to, I don't know, yeah. I just started questioning everything, like, so I understand what you mean, but. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's quite a normal thing to do, especially when you qualify, when you study and you qualify, um, and I know lots of people that have experienced this, is kind of you go one way and you go, oh, my God, we shouldn't ride, we shouldn't do this, all the horses should be free, yeah. you know, happy. Yeah. And, do you know what I mean? I can't, you got to go right to one end, but then you find the happy medium because you're kind of like, but that's not what our world is about. So we yeah. need to make the best of what we do have. How do we make that a good thing, a positive thing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely, I completely get it. And yeah, I, I didn't know if I could take it. Knowing what I knew, I couldn't, I couldn't do that somewhere if I couldn't do it. Luckily, <laughs> as it turned out for me, I then became deputy manager and I was able to then knock down all the stables and do whatever I wanted, which was why I was able to stay in it and which led on to the other things. And so I was really lucky to be in a place that was open to that. Yeah. And I didn't have much, I did have a big fight oh, on gosh. my hand with everyone yeah. except the boss. The boss was like, yeah, absolutely. We're going in and they backed me 100%. But I then had to convince over 500 people that we oh. were going to do it completely differently and knock down all the stables. And <laughs> all these volunteers. <laughs> Oh, the, you know, these people that have been doing stuff with horses their whole life. And yeah. then suddenly I long ago, hey, guess what? 
we're not going to knock them all down. They're all going to live together oh. in a barn. It, the I have people walk out on me in presentations. I have people like argue to my face. I've, I've had it all. I've had it all. That's so, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so difficult. It's funny how the people who want the change and want to do good, like, end up going through so much because of it. And I think also, even, like, non-horsey people, um, like, even, obviously, horse people who've been doing it for years think there's one way, but non-horsey people who don't understand the horse's behavioural needs will see, like, a herd of horses in a field and be like, shouldn't they have their own little stables tucked away with thick beds and rugs and, like three meals a day exactly (laughs) yeah but that's my mum so my mum and me um so because obviously my mum was very ingrained in tradition so she has been brought up in a certain way so you know we have lots of discussions and we were in the car once and you know it got a little bit heated and she was like so you're telling me (laughs) that Three horses in the rain stood with their backs to the rain together in a field are happier than a racehorse that is got its rug on, it's got a nice little neat bed, and it's got all its food. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And she's like, how? And I was like, because you're looking at it through your eyes. Yeah. We tuck our kids up in bed and everybody's night and everything's sorting their fed and blah, blah, blah. But a horse doesn't care about that. That's not a horse's needs. That's our needs. And yeah. a lot of the stuff that we do with horses is based on our own needs and our own perceptions. And unfortunately, the media and uh, the toy companies <laughs> and the books and everything that has created this image of a horse that is not true at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it's a f- fictional what a lot of non-horsey people must see of horses that it will all be fictional. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, what did you study at uni? Ha, <laughs> European studies and French. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I went corporate. Oh, wow. For some reason, I decided that that was my... Because I, I did university and then worked and lived abroad and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it was my... it was being pregnant actually that changed everything for me wow I was like okay do I really like this yeah (sighs) and then I I just moved there and it was like it it was just the right place at the right time yeah um so I I had a question about like how you said when you first started going down there um and like you felt the horses were there for you with all your emotions and everything um and I was just thinking because a lot of the time in like quote natural horsemanship um, especially when I used to be really into Monty Roberts and stuff. Um, there's a lot of sayings like leave your emotional baggage at the gate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to like mentally detach. And obviously I think it's horrible to not be in tune with your own emotions. But I also had a question about um, if you think someone might unintentionally put a lot of like emotional weight or take it out on an animal in a way they didn't like subconsciously. I was wondering mm, what you think I about. I love that question. <laughs> Such a good question. So there's a difference. So when you're training a horse, you become present with the horse. So you do leave your stuff. It's all about you being in the moment with the horse. Um, And it's not necessarily fair to bring that in. What people, I have seen people do is they do bring their own stuff to the horse, get frustrated and then take it out on the horse. So whenever I do behavioral consults or anything, I always say it's 50% the person, 50% the horse. It's never just the horse. It's, there has to be 
you know, and we know we have to do a bit of counselling when we do our, um, when you qualify and stuff, which is really important because you need to hold people in this space and be able to help them see things from a different way. Um, so for me, it was, it's not, it's being in the proximity of horses, being with my emotions, being authentic with myself, but the horse having the option to be near or be far. So what that looks like is you're in an arena or you're in a field and you're just sat. It's not actual work, it's being. Yeah. If we just could be for a bit longer and just be, it will do great things for our mental health. And I don't believe, I believe the whole, every horse is different in how they react to someone's emotions. And I think that, them having the choice whether that's something that they want to be a part of or whether they don't then um that's okay and that's why with equus scholars with anything we do the horse always has the option to leave the horse yeah. always has the option to opt out because also this is what i believe but there aren't any conclusive studies yet on actually what is transferred in that horse-human relationship? And also remember, the horse has got trauma. The horse, like horses, have uh, experiences, traumatic experiences from the day that they're born. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, they're weaned early. You know, so that experience affects the development of their brain. They yeah. have trauma. I'm taking that. I'm taking a course in like fear and trauma and neurobiology and stuff at the moment and it's so interesting how it affects their entire brain and how they can get like PTSD symptoms similar to humans and like it literally changes all their neuropathways and then that changes their hormones which changes their body and then you get horses yes. at top level performance and they're like why is he lacking muscle and knocking down all the jumps and uncoordinated and it all links exactly. to so much. It's all linked up, which is so interesting. It is. And I would say, actually, the mental side of it is more important than anything else. Because actually, the mental side of it affects the ability to lose weight, to build muscle, to have all those processes because your physiolog physiology is compromised. So, you know, as mammals, horses and humans, we do have this basic brain structure that's similar and like us horses create these neural pathways so as they use them they get potentiated so they get stronger and then they become habits so sometimes we miss those habits and we wonder suddenly it's like why is my horse doing that but it's actually something that's been reinforced the whole time we just didn't realize and now has become like quite and those are the habits that are, can be quite difficult to turn around those really deep entrenched ones um, but also it affects kind of everything, really, the ability to learn, the threshold for um, what's being asked of you will be compromised. So the horse will, um, that may have uh, experienced quite a few traumatic events. And remember, traumatic events for a horse can be things like just selling a horse and like taking it away from its herd yeah. and it going to a new home. That's trauma for a horse because herd safety is the number one you know important thing and suddenly it's going away or it's being isolated or something like that that's also going to affect the ability to learn as well because there's going to be these constant um processes cortisol going through the body which also impairs memory 
as yeah. well. So remember that the hippocampus gets impaired and not able to consolidate the information and because they're stressed, because they're not getting that REM sleep. So it all has like this massive effect. Yet we generally just look at the physical. What does a horse look like on the outside? And we don't think about the inside. Now, isn't it interesting that it's a lot like humans? So yeah. have you ever heard of, um? I think, is it Lucy Butler? I think it's her. She was yeah. on Equiosity. She um, it's like a positive reinforcement person, but she got given like a class of repeaters who failed, I think it was freshman year or something in American high school. And she like, because all the kids kept failing because like you said, all their life was affecting them, their ability to learn, their motivation, their ability to focus and retain information and the way that their brain was structured and everything was affecting their school. But obviously the school was just all of results driven. Um so she got like yes. a year with these repeaters and completely changed everything and like started like for some students it was like just body in the classroom and you know, and like yeah it was really really interesting to hear how it's so similar for humans I love that environmental <laughs> setup is massive you know for kids we ask them to fit into a very rigid school system and it's a bit like we do it with our horses you've got to fit into this box if you don't fit into this box, then, you know, we're just going to try and, I don't know, find something somewhere to put you, basically. Yeah. And it's not right. We should have, we should set up the environment better because I know for me, when I'm at my optimal learning capacity, it's when the house is clean. And when I've done some things to, to set up my environment, then I can bang go. Yeah. But if I was in a messy place and there was loads of noise and this, I just wouldn't be able to because I would be so distracted by the noises and that would cause me stress because I'm not getting the work done. So it's similar with horses, you know. If we can set that envi environmental setup is like the, the number one thing, right? Even before we do any positive reinforcement training, there's a, you know, you need to be keeping a horse that's not completely stressed out yeah in order for even that training to be ethical let's yeah, say yeah so environment massive massive yeah yeah I kind of went off on one then that's sorry. okay that was good <laughs> I answered your question or not <laughs> yeah yeah don't worry um I also wanted to say like you know you were saying about the emotions and like with training you sort of be present in the moment whereas when you're with them you can sort of feel your emotions more like when you're not training and I was mm. going to say do you think how do you feel about um like prioritizing time outside of like formal opera and conditioning because I don't know I find like if I unless I have something like I have to train like for a veterinary procedure like if I have like 40 minutes with my horses and I know I'm not going to get time I'm either going to get time to train or spend time with them I always choose to spend time with them because I used to always train and it resulted in this like kind of emotional state that they were in whenever they saw me of over arousal and also me bringing my emotions always into the training. So if they felt coerced, even though they had the option to leave and free food because of conscious freeloading, they wanted to stay, but they were conflicted because we both unregulated and I was stressed out by their arousal and all of that. So I was wondering what you think about that. Yeah, I, so I love that, that you recognise that. And I actually really promote the importance, especially through Equischolars, of doing nothing with your yeah, horse. Yeah, Because as well, 
your horse can understand proximity. So you in the field with your horses sat there or you're stood and your horse is beside you and or a little bit further away and every time it takes a step, you take a step with it, like, and it eats. A horse, that makes sense to a horse, right? Because you're within the herd proximity. You are aware, you're letting them be where they are, but they will position themselves around you as, as, as if you're part of the herd. Now, for me, having a language like that for horses to understand strengthens those bonds so much more than actually doing all the stuff. We always focus on just doing all the stuff. And I think that if we can just think about the relationship and become really observant as well, because there's so much we can do in that time. It's like, right, I had this horse, um, I had to take it down, this new pony, and I had to take it down to the arena and do some training with it and some desensitization work, whatever. And I remember I was kind of like went in and I was walking lead rate, but we were kind of walking together because I didn't really know this horse. And this is kind of my, how I like to get to know a horse, I guess, is just by observing and, and seeing what they're like. Anyway, I remember it turned around and um, bit its side. Oh. So I was like, oh, let me get that for you. And I went in and I scratched that area. He stopped biting it and yeah. I scratched it. I swear to God, <laughs> this horse, Turns her head around, looked at me, and just went, "What did you just listen?" Like honestly, I I cannot tell you. It suddenly felt like this horse suddenly was like, "Hang on, that person's just listened to something." Yeah. So I've got an itch, and they're helping me with that itch, which yeah. a horse understands, right? They understand that idea of alleviating that itch. Yeah. So simple things like that. Oh, you know, also. like, um, you know, like polyvagal theory and yeah, um, like making the horse feel seen and feel heard. And that's what I was like about Izzy with the thing about um, because she's had a lot. Sorry, I just completely interrupted you. No, no, but, no, um, go, go, go. But because she um, came off the moors and she kind of got stuck in a freeze response because no matter what she did, no one would listen to her. Like she just she's very good at compartmentalizing and just freezing and just. She's not going to engage. Um, but she does a lot of calming signals and then she'll either run or freeze. She doesn't do anything aggressive, but she's a very, very nervous pony. So, And obviously when she's frozen, you can't do anything. You just have to wait for her to come down from it. And um, that's the thing with her at the moment is being with her in our casual connection time. And when she asks to engage, then I engage with her. And as soon as she says, as soon as she goes a little bit like, no, this is a bit much, then completely leaving it until she chooses to come back because she's so used to just being pushed way over her threshold to the point where she's like the first year I had her she wouldn't even eat in the presence of a human because that's how stressed she was but you wouldn't know because she was she would like let you be within her proximity because she had learned that she couldn't get away she just had to freeze anyway that was a complete tangent about and that, so, and that leads down the whole condition suppression route doesn't it yeah and that learn helplessness and yeah. thank goodness she was with you because that is when a horse is consistently not listened to um then this is what happens so you know the horse so whenever I go to find finding a therapy horse can be really difficult you need a horse that's going to carry someone in that's in a wheelchair or a child that, that can't walk or you know precious precious cargo therapy horses we have to train them so well they can't just spook they can't just do things 
And so whenever I went to look for new horses, I would always, I would never ride them. <laughs> I would never do London, do anything like that. I only just wanted to know one thing. It's like, are they shut down? Is there condition suppression there? Because if so, that's a lot to work through. I would love to, you know, go, yeah, come and I'll help you. But, you know, I can't. And so I would literally just do this one thing, which is, okay, I'm going to give you a scratch at your withers and then I'm just going to take a step away. If that horse comes towards me, I'm like, okay, so we can have a conversation. But if that horse is stood still whilst being tacked up, doesn't move at all, and there's there's like stimulus go, stimuli going on all around it, I'd be more worried about the horse that's being tacked up and still because that's signs of condition suppression to me, not necessarily good training yeah. most of the time, If it, especially if it's not R+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> then usually I know it's going to be... Um, and that is so much more difficult to work through because, you know, you've got a shut down horse and there's lots, you know, lots of racehorses are like that. I had a racehorse that, you know, most horses will, you put something in front of them, they're going to, they're going to look for it with their nose, aren't they? Their seeking system, like, like their hands to us. Yeah. But um, we had a ex racehorse and he, he wouldn't even investigate anything. That's how oh, shut down he was. Yeah. And that takes... That can take years, years to get back from that. Yeah. Okay, well, um, this meeting might cut us off in one minute, but if it does... Uh, yeah, I've got a timer on this, One forty-seven. Okay, if it cuts us off, I'll just um, like start a new one and send you an invite. Um, Perfect. But, okay, so what exactly is Equischolars? <laughs> Equischolars is a ground-based modular activity curriculum for kids and young adults <laughs> so it is bringing equine behavior to kids and young adults because it's not freely available so over here in the uk for example there's one kind of route you go in you do your um your stages and you become a groom or you do this or do that and i was kind of like well no i want <laughs> there's more things you can do with horses and 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 we need to show this to the world that there are other options and actually that by having this knowledge of behavior and these principles and knowing a bit about um, the communication that our horses are giving us but the actual true meaning of the communication because we're using scientific studies of feral populations from the wild so we're using science-based um, information not pseudo whatever Bob, Bob in America says, um, with his ranch. Um, so we're gonna, and so it's it's opening up another way of looking at horses. So, for example, the first module is all about equine senses. But yeah, we all learn like a horse has a blind spot at the front. The horse has a blind spot at the back. You know. Blah, blah, blah. It, so what we do is we take that and go, okay, but how does that affect their behaviour? So we all get taught that, um, for example, horses have blind spots in front of them and behind them, but that's kind of as far as it goes. And so what we do with Equiscolors is we explain how this affects their behaviour and what things we need to consider. So one of the favourite activities that the kids do is um, the first activity of the whole thing 
is about sight. So we have these goggles, right? And we tape off these goggles so that you can just see pretty much roughly what a horse would see. So it's taped off underneath so you can't, so you have that blind spot. And so what you do is you then get someone to be the rider behind and they hold the reins and you go over a little jump and then you'll do like a little obstacle course or something. And then we come back and we talk about, well, how did that feel? And every kid that does it, I just love it because it makes them realize how much trust there needs to be in that relationship for that horse to have when it's especially jumping because that jump disappears, you know, that jump goes away so really that bond for show jumpers has to be really really strong and I had a girl that competed a lot and she came out she went oh I've just realized how much my pony does for me I can't believe it like she just had this new appreciation for her horse because she understood the challenges that the horse has yeah and so that's what I want to show is that you know our horses experience challenges every day in most interactions. So from just being placed in a stable, that's a challenge for a horse because it's going against everything that its body's telling it to do. It's like move, move, move. Um, not being in a herd, you know, the way we practice, the way we train them, the way we tack them up, you know, all the time it's happening for them. So I want to make people aware of how hard horses try for us yeah, and actually how amazing these animals are so we can give them a bit more credit rather than just being these tools that yeah. we're using yeah. for certain goals. And empathy is a massive thing. And I actually believe that, you know, the gen- younger generation is, it's great because they're standing up for things and having a much more awareness about the environment politics all that stuff and i you know extinction rebellion all that stuff brilliant you know absolutely so i do believe that you know they will be the ones that create the change and bring in better welfare standards for horses across across the globe yeah that's really cool and especially about the um empathy that you were saying it's like for all kids in general, but especially kids who maybe their brains work in like an atypical way or something. Um, because I know they, a lot of kids um, tend to like relate to people. So if someone tells them something, they'll they'll be like, oh, I had a similar experience so that they can relate. Um, and that's their way of like relating is sharing similar experiences. And that's their way of empathizing. And you don't often get that with an animal because you don't experience things the way they do. So it's really cool that they can sort of get an insight into what the horse what the horse's perception is like and everything like that. Yeah, exactly. And it helps them not to create their own narrative, which can be so dangerous. And I think we all do it with our animals. It's very easy to, for us to like define them and their quirks and stuff without having actually any knowledge that usually these quirks are because the animal feels frightened or is worried about something, you know, and we go, oh, that little cute thing that they do. And you're just like, it's a bit like, you know, the horse, you you know how you always see horses in a stable and look how funny it is with his tongue and all the yawning oh. that he's doing, oh. you know? And he's like, oh, look, it's so funny. It's so cute. And we know yeah. that's not funny nor cute. That is a stress release. Yeah. And that is 
most likely that horse is going to have so we have to reframe these things yeah cribbing as well you know they do the cribbing they go oh look he's such a such an idiot doing his oh. cribbing and it's like wow if if we put this in human forms this would be like you know self-harm <laughs> like yeah you know kind of like showing it's another coping mechanism so it's it's really it's really important because especially in the therapy world as well because the way that we work with our kids should be the same way that we're working with horses so I don't believe that we should be saying okay the therapy for this child who maybe has emotional or social um difficulties is not necessarily to get on a horse and canter it around yeah where's the learning where's the self half that but the child that has control issues can work with a horse that maybe has never had any control over anything and see how that horse is and we can start to see things through that the horses yeah we can actually what we found is the horses bring out the conversation so once you start telling people about the individual horse so we like to have a backstory not one we've made up but that is specific so you know this horse had this happen and that happen and because of that they now struggle with this and that yeah and then the child and this is how we're going to help them and then the child helps but the child isn't able to relate that to their own experiences so they kind of work on it together yeah Um, so we should be modeling ways for us to be in ourselves through the horses because they have um you know some great things to teach they can teach us so much about so like social interaction you know horse herds and stuff they 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 have to be highly effective and social and get on with each other that can help with the kid that isn't very social is a bully or do you know what i mean yeah like all these different things just they start to come up and that's when you have the the qualified psychiatrist psychologist or whatever is then able to take that bit and then work on that bit so the equiscolis is like an introduction to 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 getting there as well but it's for absolutely anyone it's Uh, not just therapy work i think that's really cool because especially in the horse world or animal world it attracts a lot of kids who maybe are seeking something that they don't have in their own life and then it sort of people model the behavior with horses where you know the the kid who has you know quote anger issues or something is able to control this big animal and they really lunge a horse yeah or yeah, like, yeah. amazing or like they get they get on a horse who doesn't want to canter and they kick it and whip it until it does and to them that's like they can control this big animal um and then what we yeah. see is like the horse people grow up and then there's a lot of you know the social dynamics in the horse world aren't always the nicest and people can be quite malicious and stuff and then people wonder why that happens when we're literally teaching kids to model that behavior on animals um mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's really cool and it's so refreshing to hear um mm-hmm. so you said like equi school is like anyone can do it um but like who is it sort of aimed at and like who can implement it like is it riding schools or centers and stuff like that so basically I, I tried to make it as open as possible so it's an add-on for any equine business so it came up during covid and actually it was i'd always wanted to do it so covid was a good excuse to sit and write a curriculum but also um to make money yeah. <laughs> because at the end of the day you know people need to make money yeah <laughs> that's it yeah if we can get behavior in 
as well as it being something that's gonna make you more money, then that's gonna be probably taken on better by the world than yeah. just having this, hey, we should just look at horses and how they feel. So um, it's for any equine establishment because it doesn't involve riding. It doesn't involve any form of training. It is just uh, some of the activities don't even involve horses because it's more about learning the concepts through ourselves. Um, so we're currently in quite a few countries, which is awesome. So I think we're, America is good. America's like ahead. Australia's oh. ahead, ahead, ahead. Australia's like, for me, the country I think that is showing loads of progress in that. And I don't know if you've um, seen much of the Pony Club, Australian Pony Club. Yeah, but they are I saw they like changed one of their tests was like explain why it's important that your horse is happy and like loads of questions like that, which is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah so they're making big changes, which I, I think is wonderful. Um, so yeah, and then we've got Switzerland, France, Brazil, Lots of different, I can't even remember. So, you know, there's people, and what I want to see with this as well is we start bringing this community together because, you know, even I remember you saying, Anna, for you, there's not many people your age yeah. that you can relate to because... Yeah. I mean, I have I have one, one friend who is my age, she's like six months older than me, and she um, does the same thing. But, like, I only met her through the internet. She lives in a different country. And we've met in yeah. person now. But, like, it's just so sparse and spread out. It's so great to see you bringing people together so they can create these communities. Because I think that's often why a lot of people don't make the changes that they want to is because they're scared of being ostracised or kicked out of their barn or they won't be able to go on the group hacks anymore and everything like that. So, yeah, it's really cool. You've absolutely got it. And that's it. So a lot of my behavioral like my adult work that I was doing um like I said it's 50% the person and actually yards can be so toxic mm -hmm. so bad there is so much judgment in the horse world you should be doing this with your horse by yeah. now and you should be doing that with your horse by now but what if I don't want to what if I don't want to back my horse at three I want to wait till all its growth plates are ready you know what if I just actually want to take my horse out for a forage walk oh, I I yeah I've had because <laughs> there's people right who ride who go around my village horse people and they I've had a few interactions where I'm taking my ponies on a forage walk and yeah um it, yeah, yeah, and it's they, very, they, very strange for them. They're like very confused by it. But well, because you have a horse, so you therefore you should be competing or doing something that gets you mm. credit. That is what gives us our worth, and yeah. that's what gives our horses our worth. Because I have two, so what, I have two unridden horses, and whenever I bring that up, they're like, "Oh, so you're looking after two that you don't ride or you can't ride?" And it's like they're very, very confused by it. Because they don't see, they miss most of the picture. That's why. They're yeah. seeing a very small portion of their horse. And this one thing that we've gone right, your dressage. And that's what they view. And the successes and the fails and everything is on that. But what about this whole other like life of a horse that you've got? You cannot... I, I wonder if it's maybe because we have been taught that, you know, you need to dominate a horse because a horse is going to kill you. And oh. You know, maybe it's because it is because of that way of thinking that people don't realize that they don't have to have relationships on dominance. Actually, they can create partnership with their horse where you can have so much trust 
you can just do whatever you want. Like you can yeah. do dressage, you can totally teach dressage, you can totally teach a jump because you've worked on that relationship. And so then you have a way to get to those goals. Yeah. And that's what we miss out. We have to have that. That has to be the beginning of it all, surely. That's what we do with dogs, every other animal. We create a relationship with yeah. our pets. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. And especially because you, when you were saying about the money and it's a way that people can run their business, because um, just for an example, there's in Thailand, there's a lot of like elephant tourist camps and yeah. some of my family live over there and they um, are really proactive in like animal welfare and rescuing animals and stuff like that. And they contribute and help a lot with these elephant sanctuaries, which basically they still make money. They have acres and acres of elephants and other animals who have their behavioural needs met and um, they they aren't any more well off than any of the other tourist camps but they make their money by tourists coming in and they educate the public and then the tourists get to go be in the space. I remember I went and visited and you just you went in there and if the elephants approach you they approach you and if they don't they don't but you know you're taught all about how to interact with them their backstory and what they're basically trying to say is because the other tourist camps will be like, we have we have to make a living, you know, no matter how much this animal may be suffering, we have to do it because it's more important that the humans don't suffer to them, anyways. So there are better, there are other yeah, ways. Yeah, so though. that's what these, there are these ways. yeah, exactly. So these sanctuaries are saying, we get that you need to make a living, but there's other ways to do it, and you can make it, you can make just as much money, if not more, whilst being ethical. So I think that's really really amazing about Equus Scholars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Equus it's designed so that you can run it as a camp. You can run it as... So it's the foundation pack is like three modules. And then we've just brought out a mini module, which is designed to be run over six weeks. Um, and you just... I mean, I can't remember how many hours or how many activities it is, but there's a lot in there. So I, I've pretty much designed it so each module is about a term worth of, of activities and content. And actually, you know they we charge just the same amount as you would for riding because of what you're learning yeah you're actually you know learning about science learning about behavior of animals and actually it's a whole different take on it and i think anyone that wants to jump on this bandwagon because this bandwagon is is coming and it will be here. It was going to be a couple of years down the line, but I'm telling you, we are reform in this area and behaviour needs to have a much bigger place um, for for everyone. Yeah. Um, do you find, because you said like you, um, you're sort of charging like riding lessons and stuff, like if a kid was taking riding lessons, and obviously this is much more valuable for them to learn, but do you find it difficult at all with parents or the students maybe being like wanting more or wanting to ride or asking when the different goals are going to be met and stuff like that so that's a really good one and I have 10 years of experience (laughs) dealing with parents on that one um because there is an expectation and the way that we deal with that is we set that expectation very clearly from the start make it really clear this is ground-based this is what they will achieve this is what they will learn and if that person wants to take it or leave it, they can. But I tell you, I haven't had anyone not do oh, it. Oh, that's really amazing. Because of that. Yeah. Because of the, and they've gone, oh, well, that's too much for that. Because actually, once you kind of get into it and really explain what you're doing, the quality that you're giving yeah. 
you know, compared to, you know, let's walk and trot. Yeah, that's great. But that is still, that's sport. Yeah. That's sport at the end of the day. And this is about more than sport. This is about us. This is about them. It's about everything. So it's, it's good for us as well. You know, it's good for our mental health and it's good for our development and and everything is good for. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, so are there any like big moments for you like that stick out that made you happy or sort of showed you the success of Equus Scholars, like where something's really clicked for a kid or you felt like you're really making progress? Um, yes. So I can't obviously go into too many specifics. Yeah. reasons, But I have seen some pretty amazing stuff with <laughs> kids and horses that um, has blown my mind, really. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you this one story. Um, and this wasn't a child, actually. This was an adult. Oh, wow. So um, it was a group. There was a group of us. We were all doing this. We were being introduced, let's say, a long time ago. We were being introduced to this new, um, this new ideal way of being, and it was for corporate like events. So you get people come in and like pick up a hoof. The horse will pick up the hoof for some people. It won't for others. What does that say about your team? So obviously, we've come a long way since then. I'm not so keen on that anymore because it doesn't take into consideration the history of the horse. The comfort zone of the or anything like that um but anyway while we were having this training one one of the members was having a really really tough time personal time and just did not want to be involved just was like you're not put this complete like wall up you could see and just like i'm not even going to make eye contact with you because i don't want to be a part of this um and the instructor the the coach was he was really really cool actually so we were all stood in the arena and we had this horse um and uh he went he went to this person oh can you just while we talk then can you just take him off like mr dunn off for a little walk and then come back just so he doesn't get too bored she walks off and then um the horse stops so he, he just goes just watch and as she walks off the horse stops and you can't pull on the horse or anything like that. And she's trying to get the horse to come forward, trying to get the horse to come forward. Eventually got the horse to come forward. She turned around, came back to us as a group, horse behind her. She was like this. And she went, he's really stuck. Oh. And as she said that, he bit both of her ankles as if to oh. say, that's not my stuff. Oh. That's you. Oh. And it was just so incredible the way that this horse just it it was just amazing and there was no other reason for it it just felt like it was this she was putting something onto this horse and this horse was like "Mm -mm, don't blame me it was Uh. so I've had some really special moments where I haven't been able to explain what's happening there is a magic there is a magic between humans and horses yeah and I've seen and I've seen I've had kids that can't walk that don't have any strength and just doing sensory work on the horse so that's where we lay them and they 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 hug the butt usually so then they'll try and push themselves up but stuff like that when the horse and then the child and they start regulating their breathing together when um 
that child says its first word because so we had a we had an autistic girl and she was mute until she was 10 and then the first word she said was the horse that she worked with Aww. for 10 years so there's just so much stuff that I couldn't explain either yeah of what's going on it's like yeah and maybe I don't want that ever to be found out, that, yeah. that that magical thing, because that kind of ruins it for us. What I'm not okay with is when that magic gets does get interpreted yeah. into different things that is un, not respectful for the horse. Yeah, like when they say, like, they use escalating negative reinforcement whilst saying stuff. Like, they're showing signs of stress and they're like, oh, he's showing me he wants a leader or stuff like that. Um but yeah but but that's really cool about um that's so amazing about um like the magic and the interactions that you just can't explain and I think that's something that goes so deep beyond like operant conditioning and as much as I love positive reinforcement training like that's a big reason why I prioritize just spending time with them and doing activities and just sharing space and foraging and giving them scratches and because like at the end of the day all training is manipulation of behavior no matter how ethical and force free it is so it's, it's so good to just be around animals when they're just being authentic and they don't have a fear of being punished. They don't have motivation to try and earn rewards. They're just being and they're just mm, interacting yeah. and having a conversation, which is amazing. And I love that idea that in doing that, we create this kind of like you become part of the herd. Yeah. Once you're kind of part of the herd, you can do anything because then you're able to take that horse away from the herd, but it's still, it's like, I'm not with my herd, but I'm still with a herd person because you've got such a strong bond. Yeah. You can like, when it's really stressful situations, so I remember my Clydesdale, Biscuit, my absolute, the one who started me on all this journey, you know, and he was huge and like massive. Wow. And I'm a very short person. <laughs> and also I don't, I'm not natural horsemanship or anything like that. So I had to find a way to work with this horse. But because we had this amazing relationship, when it came to things like we had to move him to a field and he was very stressed out with loading, but he did it with me. Like yeah. he would get up with me and Aww. he did it. And then yeah. he came out and he did it. And then I remember he got really, really tall as he came out. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take the, because the rest of the herb was over there. And I'm like, right, you're going to want to be there. So I thought I'll, I'll, just, I'll just take the um, rope off and just let you go for a minute. And you do all of that. And then I'll come and take your head collar off because it's just a little, you know, you have to keep yourself safe, don't you? And I remember I did that and they went bolting. They were running around and around and around and around. And I was like, right, I need to get the head collar off. And I just, um, I started to go towards him and I just went like that. And he just stopped dead. Aww. And then I went over and took his head collar off because that's when we train, when we do, we do stuff like that's our, that's our language. Yeah. And he recognized that and he was like, okay, I'm with my herd and my friends, but actually that's my other herd member. So I do just need to listen to her and what she's saying as well. Yeah. Because she keeps me safe. She listens to me and my needs. And and I think that relationship that I have with Biscuit is one that has been so inspiring to me and simple things like going in the field together or just being somewhere and simply by me go oh look at 
that? I wonder what that is. And then pointing to the floor and being there. And then Biscuit would come over and look into it as well. Oh. And then we'd just kind of walk together and go, oh, look at that. What do you think of that? And then he'd come and check it out. And, you know, we just it was just, oh. I just couldn't. He went from a horse you could not get in the stable with to I one that I trusted implicitly. Yeah. Like, never had a trust like that with a, with a horse before that. It was just on another level. Just knew there was just this connection. And I could read him. That's the thing is I knew I could read him. I never took him outside of his country. Well, obviously, when we were learning things, I could expand those boundaries a little bit but I was able to see if he was feeling a bit stressed or a little bit off you know yeah. and when it came to the end of his life it was really upsetting and sad um and that's another story but he ended up having really bad laminitis oh. which Clydesdale is and then he got uh, lifangitis so all his legs um like swelled and pus so oh. Every day I had to do his feet. Every day I had to wrap his legs. And it was fine. He was fine. It's a big horse, but he trusted me so much. I didn't even have to worry about having to do certain medical things with him. Yeah. Because we had that trust in the bank. Yeah, that's, you know? that's so something um, that I'm trying to explain to some of my case studies at the moment is because they have horses which are being prepared for veterinary procedures. And it's just, yeah. if you, once you have that trust bank account, then if your trust bank account is higher, just from the communication and listening to them and all the positive experiences, and every time they say, hey, I'm a bit worried, and you listen, but then they're like, oh, but he can't always just get away with not doing it. But every time you listen, then that trust builds and you can eventually, obviously not push him over threshold so you can expand gradually so they don't opt out and then train from there and then that one time that they say I don't want to do this and you have to say I'm sorry but we have to and that withdraws a bit from your account but you still got all that trust built up so it doesn't take much away from the relationship which is just so different from you know like when horses are completely unhandled and the only interaction is like veterinary stuff and having stuff yeah. taken away like bad associations and bad interactions and it's amazing the difference that I can make when they've just been listened to, really. Absolutely, because as well, the whole approach to it is going to be uh, different because they've also not got that immediate stress as soon as the... Because at the end of the day, horses don't want conflict. They want to get it right for us. But we just assume that they understand what we're communicating. And for a horse, it's all foreign. Like, it doesn't really make that much sense. So from the time we get into the gate to put head collar on, that horse is not quite sure what's happening. Yeah. And because of that inconsistency as well, even before you've got them to the stable for the vet, they're already stressed out. Yeah. So it's like that whole everything has to be... Um, balanced like I said that physical and mental fitness has to be balanced yeah then um and then we see horsemanship I don't believe that we have seen the true potential horses at all because of the way we manage them because of the way that we train them because of the way that um we label them 
I don't think they've shown us their true capabilities, let's oh, say. Yeah. I think with the world of positive reinforcement and stuff coming along and the great work that people like Shauna Crash at the competition level and stuff, you know, she's doing such an important job of getting it out to the competition world. Yeah. Um, it's so it's just so important, isn't it? It's horsemanship on another level. Yeah. That's what it is. When we combine the two it just becomes so much more powerful. Yeah, it's just like a holistic, all-encompassing sort of relationship. Um, yeah. I'd love to talk for longer, but my computer is going flat. So I no, just it's to... okay, don't worry. I could talk forever about Yeah, me stuff. too. <laughs> um, but I just need to quickly ask you, um, as far as you can tell us, like, do you have any plans for the future with Equischolars or anything like that? Oh, I do, <sighs> but I can't tell you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with, I do, I have, a, I have a big plan coming up. Yeah. You can't talk about it. But once that one's out, we can talk about that one. Okay. But with Echo Scholars, we're just looking um, at expanding. So for us, it is about raising awareness. That's it, because we're in a world of there's lots of top horse people and stuff that's dominated by that. And so we just need to elevate the behavior. So any sharing, any anything that will create awareness helps yeah. us. Okay. Um, so I'm sure most people are already following you and stuff, but um, where can people find you on social media and your podcast and everything? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so um, I'm on Equus Scholars. And then obviously I have my own page, but I must say that I don't do much on that anymore because I've been focusing on Equus Scholars. But that is Equilogical, which has loads of great training stuff on. I also do a podcast called Equilogical with my mate Becky Bayliss, who's an equine physio. And we interview loads of people in the behavior world, researchers, trainers, and we also talk about training. We talk about our own stuff. We like to try and be a bit funny sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we're not so funny. Um, and that's great. And you can find that if you just Google Equilogical, it will be on all the platforms. It's on all the platforms. Yeah. I love your um, podcast. It's so good. Oh, oh <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we haven't done one in a while. We've got to do that again soon. But um, you're going to come on my podcast. That's <laughs> the next thing to do. Well, that would be very cool. I love your podcast. I started listening to it like when I was having trailering. I think the first episode was when I was having trailering problems with my horse pet, which turned out to be because of her arthritis, actually. But when I was oh, like yes. still looking into it and the first episode I saw was your one on trailering. And oh, I just it, yeah. absolutely loved it and listened to everyone after that. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so glad you like it. Well, that is, you know, trailering is is one of the biggest problems I see so we could maybe do a podcast on that and talk about oh, that that'd be so interesting yeah yeah <sighs> I'll be a regular feature now regular yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> okay so I better stop the recording now because my I don't actually know how much battery this has but it just flashed up oh now it's going red okay oh it's okay it's okay that was awesome okay so thank you so much for speaking to me, Kate. It's been so good to speak to you and I hope to speak to you again soon and good luck with every all your future plans and everything like that. Thank you so much. And we haven't actually quickly mentioned that you are also a brand ambassador. Oh, yeah. For, <laughs> aren't you? So yeah. you're going to be helping us out with some training videos and more stuff to come, Anna. <laughs> more stuff to come. So keep an eye out for Anna on Equus Scholars too. <laughs> I'm very excited awesome all right anna thank you so much okay thank you bye, bye. kate enjoy the rest bye. of your day bye, you too, bye. <sighs>
Recording stopped. Thanks for listening to the Aim Horsemanship podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to find out more about um, my horses and me, you can find me on Instagram at um, underscore.a.i.m. underscore horsemanship underscore. And on YouTube at capital A-I-M and then lowercase horsemanship. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. And I hope to see you tuning in next time.